And if you have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 10. And somehow mark the passage in Isaiah, if you have not already, because we'll turn back to that passage in a moment. Most of you have some understanding of this phrase being stopped dead in your tracks. Something has happened and you just stand still. That's that's the only thing that you can do. That's your only response. It, it, everything sort of comes to a halt and, and you just have to have a moment to try to absorb or take in whatever it is that you're hearing or seeing. I don't know if you've ever been to some uh, beautiful piece of landscape. Certainly this could happen at the edge of the ocean. It's it's happened for me as you walk up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and you just for the first time peer over. And of course, you you do want to stop dead in your tracks at that point. But you also just want to stop and just try to absorb the immensity of what you're watching. You may have had that same feeling as, as you walk along somewhere and a, and a certain smell hits you. And, and maybe if you were walking downtown and the smell of a bakery and you just you just wanted to stop for a moment and just take a big, deep breath. Maybe you've seen something unusual and you, you couldn't quite figure it out. It was an odd scene. You, you maybe you hadn't anticipated it. I remember living in Oklahoma and in Oklahoma, um, these uh, little uh, varmints would run around in your backyard. And one of them was an armadillo. And somehow an armadillo had scaled up the trash can and gotten into our trash can. And I was taking out the trash this morning. And as I lifted up the lid, I met an armadillo. And, and I stopped. I just didn't really know what the armadillo was going to be doing. And I don't think he knew what I was going to do. And so I just ran and screamed after that. But, I mean, just for a moment, some, it's, you just can't imagine it. So the best thing to do is just to stop. And you're just trying to absorb what's happening, what you're seeing, what you're feeling or thinking. And you'll notice here in verse 49, Mark points out Jesus stops dead in his tracks. And see, when this happens to Jesus, I want to know what's happened. I want to know what has gotten Christ's attention so much that he just want to, on his way with a big crowd, he stops. And I'm looking at him saying, what's made you stop? And that's what we want to look at today. But before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, something has happened here in this text. And it's something that we must see for ourselves today. It just didn't happen to Bartimaeus. This, this is a picture of something that must happen for each one of us. And so we pray that you would help us see like this blind man, that you would open our eyes up to your reality. In Jesus name, amen. Let's uh, reorient ourselves with what's happening here in this passage since we've been away from it for a few weeks. Jesus is on the last leg of a journey, which really started in Mark chapter 8. 
He was up in the very northern part of Israel. You remember Caesarea Philippi. This is where he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And they're up in this mountainous region. And at that point, Jesus informs them, right, and the Christ must suffer and die on the third day, be risen again. And at that point, he sets his face towards Israel. And he's on this last leg of the journey and he has reached the town of Jericho. Jericho, some 15 miles east of Jerusalem. All downhill from Jerusalem to Jericho, some 3,000 feet. So when you're in Jericho and you're going to Jerusalem, you're taking a skinny uphill path all the way. And that's why you're always going up to Jerusalem. And that's why when you read the Psalms, Psalm 120 to 134, they're called the Psalms of Ascent. Those are the songs the pilgrims would sing on their way up to Jerusalem. And no doubt, Jesus is on his way up and the crowd rips out Psalm 120 or 121. They're ascending up into Jerusalem and they come across this person named Bartimaeus. A great crowd is leaving the city. And by God's providence... A much shorter journey is taking place at the same time. One that's going to intersect with Jesus in the crowd, a blind beggar, surprisingly named in the text. If you look through Mark, you don't have names of people that Jesus has encountered. You have the bleeding woman. You have the rich young ruler. You have the man who's, lived, who's on a mat, who's lowered through the ceiling. You have Legion, who's just given that name. But here, Mark, he points out, this man has a name. His name is Bartimaeus. He's the son of, that's the word bar there, Timaeus. So his name is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus likely sleeps in an alleyway near the city gate. And this particular morning, like most other mornings, he wakes up. He tries to shake the dew off of the one thing that he owns, his cloak. He tries to shake out sort of the sour smell of somebody who hasn't taken a shower or a bath in months. Maybe he has a little crust of bread in a pocket somewhere that he's feeling around for, thinking he might, have, might save it for the morning before he's given something else. He, he reaches over, he picks up his stick, and, and then he begins to tap out this very familiar short but dark journey to his place just outside the city gate. Bartimaeus is hopeful for this day. He knows that the crowds have swelled the population of the city and they're on their way to Jerusalem. So he's on his way out and he's spreading out his cloak nice and wide because he knows these thousands, maybe tens of thousands of pilgrims are going to march across his little pathway today. And he's hoping for a good day's handout. Boy, he gets a good day's handout. I want you to get a good mental picture of Barnabas. I want you to take a, a, a deep breath and, and smell what would turn your head this sour odor. I want you to see his eye socket sort of sunk back in his head. 
his, his sort of shriveled form. He, he gets very little worthwhile nutrition. Maybe he's got open sores. He, he has n- nobody to take care of him. The only thing he owns is this one cloak and sort of by way of default, this one little square of land on the side of the road. He's really nothing more than a piece of shredded humanity along life's highway. He, he's maybe the most unlikely character to get Jesus to stop. The blind man, Bartimaeus, is the recipient of the last miracle recorded in Mark. The last miracle recorded in Mark is that a blind man would see Jesus. And so I'm asking, what, what is it that Bartimaeus does to stop the, the high king of heaven? And I want to notice a couple of things. First, his urgency. Second, his understanding of himself and of Jesus. He, he has an urgency about him. He has an understanding, some small may it be, some understanding of who Jesus is. He has a pretty good understanding of himself. And then when he meets Christ, I want us to close by looking at his abandonment to Jesus. First, let's look at Bartimaeus' urgency. Verse 47 Bartimaeus apparently had heard about Jesus, which wouldn't be surprising. We're, we're closing in on the, e- the end of Jesus' ministry. It's in his third year. Word certainly is spread about the rabbi who's a miracle man. And he's, he's brought people from, from not being able to hear to hear. He's brought people who hadn't been able to see to see. He seems like maybe he brought somebody who was dead to alive. All kinds of all kinds of information circular, circulating around Israel, and Bartimaeus would have certainly heard this. Maybe he was familiar with Isaiah 35. Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. I mean, maybe that was one of his memory verses. God, whenever you come, Oh, you're going to do some great things, but one of the ways we're going to know you have arrived is that the blind people, like me, our eyes are going to be open. However Bartimaeus has heard about it, you, you immediately get, when you're, when you're reading through the passage and you're here on verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus... He, he's staked out his small piece of property and somehow words gotten down the line. Did, did you know Jesus was in Jericho? He's coming out the gate today. And he hears it. And he remembers the stories. He knows Isaiah 35 and he's urgent. He's anxious. You, you feel his tension here. Right now. This day, this very moment, somewhere in the shuffling of all these feet, all, all that I can hear, noises and laughter and animals, somewhere in all this is a couple of feet of the Savior. Bartimaeus realizes he may never, ever get this chance again. 
And indeed, he, he wouldn't have. Jesus never came back to Jericho. You know, in case just at this moment you're distracted, you, you brought something in with you in your mind and you're really just thinking about it right now. First, I understand that. But, but I want you to know today, right now, in the proclamation of this Word, Jesus just as real as when He passed by on the road of Jericho, Jesus Christ, the Son of David, is passing by. And you don't know, and I don't know, if He's ever going to pass by in our life again. But He's passing by today. I, I remember in June... We always go to take kids to camp in June. And we're at camp and I'm sitting next to a high school student and the whole week we're trying to open up the Gospel. We're trying to help them see Jesus passing by. And I'm sitting next to this boy and I remember the next June I'm standing in a hospital corridor and they're saying, we're going to disconnect him from life support. You see, you don't know, and I don't know, if this is the last time Christ is going to pass by. It wasn't long ago here. I stood out at those doors. I bent down and I talked to a little boy about his Sunday school class. It was his first time here and he was nervous. And then I talked to him about the donuts. That he should definitely hit the donut table on his way out after he told me his Bible school lesson. That Friday, I bent down over his parents to console them because he was dead. You and I don't know if it's the last time Jesus is going to pass by. And I, although we think it's going to be, oh, many more times, notice Bartimaeus. He's urgent. He doesn't know, and he's not going to lose his chance. And so, just to, to heck with everybody else, he starts screaming out, Jesus, Son of David, wherever you are, he may be screaming in this direction, and Jesus may be down here. He doesn't know. He's not going to let anything stop him from seeing who Jesus is. And he says this very simple, powerful, eternal prayer. Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. I don't know if you've ever felt this kind of urgency that, that you just, like a blind person, you hoped somebody was hearing it, but you couldn't see that someone was hearing it. If I'm having a conversation with you, I can, I can see if you're paying attention. But he's just yelling, hoping that his voice somehow penetrates through all the noise into eternity and that there's somebody out there who's going to hear him. Maybe you've had that kind of prayer. God, if you're out there, I don't, I don't know if I'm even going beyond the ceiling. But if anyone is out there, God, have mercy 
on me. And, and in the most frustrating and disturbing verse in the whole passage, verse 48, in this urgency of this man who obviously is in desperation, the first thing he gets back from those who can see, shut up. Be quiet. He doesn't have time for people like you. Do you understand? He's on a mission. The people who can see Jesus. D.A. Carson says this, the crowd that was eager to bask in Jesus' companionship reflect none of his compassion. Now, that is not true about Christ Community Church. But I pray it would never be true about us. That, oh, we would love His companionship, but when it comes to displaying His compassion, that we would be like these people. And and what did they say? Be be quiet. I mean, you're just a, a piece of debris on the side of the road. Jesus is an important person. He doesn't have time for you. You're too far gone, Bartimaeus. I mean, he can help some people. But it doesn't even look like you can help yourself. And, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Isn't that in the Bible somewhere? No, in case you're uncertain. I wonder if because he was blind, somebody snuck up and said, he's not really there. You ever have those thoughts in your mind? I'm just not worth it. I've got too much stuff in my life. I'm so messed up I can't help myself. Jesus wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. Or somebody, some skeptical professor or friend or parent wanders up next to you and says, you know, nobody's really there. Psalm 22.3 says, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. What, What do you do when you cry out? But but what you get is these clogged thoughts of he's not really there or you're not really worth it. Well, Bartimaeus is probably the best example. What do you do? Cry out louder. Do not let silence or skepticism deter you from crying out to God. This cry of Bartimaeus, it's the one that gets the attention of the Ancient of Days. When he keeps crying out urgently and persistently, God Almighty stops the train. And he pays attention Psalm 22.5, just after Psalm 22.3, they cried out to you and were saved. In you they trusted and they were not disappointed. I'm I'm sort of imagining the scene here. uh, uh, Thousands of people. Jesus is in a group, certainly, of his disciples. and, And people know him, so they're interested in who he is. And they've got this 15 mile journey up the road and 
gosh, what a great opportunity to ask Jesus some questions. And so there's a pretty large crowd going by. And there's beggars of all kinds probably along the street. People marketing different things. Who knows? And somehow in all of this noise, Jesus is walking and suddenly, full stop. Some people who are in front of Jesus, they keep walking thinking He's right behind them. You ever done that? You keep having the conversation, you turn around, the person's not with you anymore. And they look back, well, something happened. And Jesus stopped and all the people behind Him, they start piling up on each other. What's happened? Angels are stopping and piling up on each other. And everybody's focused on Jesus. And it's He's stopping and He's listening and He's trying to absorb something. And He hears he hears it. Jesus. So you can hear your name when it's called even in all the crowded noise, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I wonder what Jesus, at full stop for a moment, on His way to Jerusalem, on His way to the cross, God, have mercy. How is God going to have mercy? Well, that's Bartimaeus. That's his urgency. And at least his cry helps us see that he understands two important things. First, he uses this very familiar title, Son of David. It's probably the most popular messianic term. When you cry out for the Son of David, you understand you're, you're crying out for the Messiah, the Savior, someone that's going to come from the line of David. The, the person's going to be the true king. Now let's look back at Isaiah now, 11.10, and notice where this idea comes from. Isaiah 11.10, In that day, the root of Jesse. Who's the root of Jesse? The Son of David. Whoever's coming out of Jesse, who is the father of David, the root of Jesse, the son of David, will stand as a signal, or some of your translations might say banner or flag. This messianic figure is coming, and he's going to take his stand, and it's going to be like a flag. It's going to be like a banner. And in him, the nations will inquire, and his resting place shall be Glorious. See, see the root of, of Jesse or the son of David or Jesus Christ, all the same, one day is going to stand. He's going to come to a full stop. And he's going to be like a flag or a banner that gets raised up. So that when you look at this raised up son of David, you're going to say, full stop. If you can get underneath that banner... Glorious rest. When does that happen? When is the Son of David lifted up? And where is He lifted up so that if you get underneath that, you can have glorious rest? When does that happen? Right here. 
Jesus Himself says it in John 12. When the Son of Man will be lifted up, what's going to happen? He's going to draw all men to Him. Everybody who cries out for mercy, everybody who wants peace with God, everybody who wants to enter into this glorious rest, you must come underneath this banner right here. That's the banner. That's the signal. That's the flag. That's what we're all rallying to and coming up underneath to live with peace with God. So, so Bartimaeus cries out, son of David. He has some, albeit small, understanding perhaps that Jesus isn't just another guy who's going to work a miracle in his life. He's the Messiah. Secondly, he has some understanding of himself. What does he cry out for? Jesus, son of David, and now I'm going to talk about what I need, my condition. Have mercy on me. One definition. Mercy is the aspect of God's love that causes him to stop and to help the miserable. There's lots of different aspects of God's love, and mercy helps you understand that God's love extends towards those who understand that they're miserable. Mercy's object is misery. And what does Bartimaeus understand about himself? I'm miserable. I'm miserable in every way. I have nothing. And I need to be the object of the Son of David's mercy. And just a few verses before, there couldn't be a greater contrast with Bartimaeus than the rich young ruler. In the same chapter, chapter 10, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he asks, what must I do to be saved? You see, the rich young ruler is blind. And what he is blind to is that he is in misery. That he can't offer anything. He can't do anything. But he's been confused and he thinks that some of his ability, some of his good deeds, his ability to keep the law, his standing in the community, his wealth, his age, he comes in saying, here's my contribution. Jesus, I'm missing something from my resume and I sort of need you to come and pat it because I understand I'm missing something, but I don't understand that I'm miserable. And see, how many people do this? How many people come to Jesus and say, I'm missing something, but they're not miserable. They're not miserable because they're not going to leave anything behind or not much. But they sure want to pad their resume with Jesus. And the rich young ruler does leave Jesus miserable. Because he finds out that you can only follow Jesus alone. No baggage. No Jesus and. He's not here to pad a resume. He's the resume! You don't need anything else on your resume when you have Christ. How hard, Jesus says this, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter into the kingdom. See, because 
those of us who are wealthy, we think we have something of value. God wants it. God needs it. He meets Jesus. Jesus stops, cocks his head. He hears the cry. Who knows what the disciples must have been thinking. Oh no, somebody touched his robe again and he's stopping. Good grief. we got somewhere to go. But he hears this cry and the crowd parts. And everybody's wondering who's crying because not everybody sees Bartimaeus. And there he is. Probably looking off in the other direction. Eyes sunken. He, he, he's holding on to his only possession, his cloak. And he's saying, Jesus, just have mercy wherever you are. And everybody's looking down the tunnel of people and they see Jesus at one end and the blind beggar at the other. And he says, call him. Notice this very odd detail now about Bartimaeus. He throws off his cloak. Isn't that strange? I mean, why would Mark stick that in there? A cloak. A cloak has no value. He runs to Jesus. He makes his way there or something like that. But he, he, he sticks this in. He throws, he throws off his one possession and his only protection. Bartimaeus throws off the only thing he possesses all of his possessions, Bartimaeus says, now when Jesus is calling me, here's, here's what I can do with my possessions. Whoosh! I don't need those anymore. Here's what I can do with all the things, the only thing that's protected me. I don't need that anymore. I'm going to have a new possession and a new protector. And it's going to be Jesus. And he's throwing it behind himself. He's not going to allow anything to get in his way to get to Jesus. And he's not coming back to his old way of life. You see, if you were blind, you wouldn't put anything outside of your reach. So everything, even if it wasn't touching you, it'd always be within your reach. And I wonder if you've come to Jesus, but you've kept all your possessions within your reach. Just in case He doesn't come through, you can reach out and grab that one thing. See, not Bartimaeus. I'm not coming back to my old things. I've got Jesus. He's the resume. I don't need anything else. And, and I can't afford to lay my stuff out so I can reach it because I know myself when I just can't feel Jesus anymore, I'm going to reach out and grab these things. Bartimaeus throws off his cloak. The rich young ruler, again, the contrast couldn't be more powerful. He comes with his cloak. He comes with this big blanket of pride thinking he's going to add something to the mix. And he keeps all the things within his reach. And when Jesus says, let's move those out beyond your reach, what does the rich young ruler say? No, sir. 
I can have you as part of the plan, but I can't have you as the plan. You know, the applications are maybe too obvious to have to make. What, what's hindering you? Did you? You hear the gospel? Jesus, right now, He's passing by. And what's hindering you? Have you been one of those people that you've met Christ, but you've laid out all your possessions so they're within your reach? Just in case He doesn't come through, I can go back and grab that. And at least for a moment, it's going to satisfy. We learn a lot from this blind beggar. He understands the urgency. Jesus may never pass this way again. He's persistent. Even if people say, He's not even around. You missed Him. He's going to keep crying out. He understands who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. The only way to have peace with God is to live underneath His banner. He understands Himself. He's miserable. He abandons Himself to Christ You know, really, I guess every passage fits this well. But here we come to the table. And what this is shouting out, I hope you hear it. It's in the text. What does the crowd say that this table says? Cheer up. Cheer up! He's heard you! And He's going to mercifully supply everything you need. And where does He do it? Right here. He gives everything He has. You, who had nothing to give, whether you realize or not, He comes and says, it's all open to you. Now, Bartimaeus leaves the scene. Notice that Jesus says, go, go your own way. And Bartimaeus doesn't go his own way. What does he do? He follows Christ. It's said in early church history that Bartimaeus, the reason he was named in the story is because he became a well-known person in the early church in Jerusalem. People would have known in Mark's time, oh, Bartimaeus, yeah. Now, he's one of the pillars in the early church. See, it's possible that he went all the way to Jerusalem and he saw the flag, the signal. He said, oh, now I understand mercy. For those who believe in Christ, cheer up! He's done everything that is needed. For those who haven't, I 
urge you with the same urgency Bartimaeus has. You don't know if he's passing this way again. Please tell me, what is it you're holding on to? What do you believe is going to give you that life that Christ promised? Nothing else is going to satisfy. Maybe for a moment. As you come forward, you might think about Bartimaeus walking forward to Christ. This little tunnel from from blindness to sight. What, What was the first thing Bartimaeus saw? Christ. You might ask yourself, am I coming with a cloak? Am I still laying things out in front of me so that when I come up here, if this just doesn't quite do it, I'll still be able to reach back and grab? Let me pray for us as the elders come forward. Lord, what a, what a great testimony we can stand on in Barnabas. We've We've walked by these kinds of people in city streets all the time. That's what we look like. We're we're miserable. Everything we have is sour. No matter how many times we clean it or polish it, it's a foul odor in your in your nostrils. And so some, somebody has to come down and be a, a sweet offering on our behalf. That's Christ, the flag, the banner, the signal. I pray for these people, Lord. Today, they have heard, just like Bartimaeus, they've heard that Jesus is passing by. I just pray that they would have a sense of urgency to respond. For those who are believers, that they would take seriously what it means for you to have done what you've done. Holy Spirit, help us think right. Your heart is prepared. You you come forward. Take heart. Be of good cheer. He has heard your cry for mercy. Amen.